It's tasteless. I'll treat home games like road games, if that's the way it's going to be. You are locked on Fantasy Basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd, and as always, you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. A really, really interesting day in the NBA, a really full day, 11 games on, stuff happening all over the place, what looks like another season-ending injury, unfortunately. So we had a lot to talk about. Let's get to it. To it. Uh, let's get to it. Indeed. Again, there was just so much happening. I didn't know where to look for half the time to see what was actually uh, what was actually going across in, in all these games and catching up on stuff. So many different things. Absolutely smashed with questions. And I remind you, this is the time of the year to a don't panic, um, and b try and capitalize on poor waiver moves from other owners and from poor trade offers. I had two people today ask me the same question: Is me trading away my Jalen Brown for Bradley Beal a good deal? Yes, yes, it is a it is a ridiculous deal. It is an insane deal, and you should do it straight away. Um, but people asking that question, two people, so that's the sort of offer. When I talk about trading away Jalen Brown, that's the sort of guy that apparently you can get back in return. So that's the sort of thing you should be looking at. Um, tons of waiver wire questions. Good players are going to be dropped to the waiver wire because of performances of guys in these last two days. And Look, if you've got a borderline guy with limited upside on your team, yeah, drop him and grab these waiver wire guys. But some people are dropping yeah, really talented players in order to get their hands on guys who could be Wade Baldwin from last season, who, if you remember, in the opening night had three steals and three blocks and now literally does not have a team just one year into his NBA career. So that sort of weird shit can happen all the time across the NBA. Just be be aware of that and um, yeah, bake that into your ideas or your decision-making when looking at waiver wire moves and all of that sort of stuff. Let's go straight into the monstrous line of the night, and it is my boy, Bob Cove, Robert Covington. He went uh, he went pretty bananas for the Philadelphia 76ers today. 29 points, including seven triples, seven rebounds, one assist, one steal. He had two blocks. He was 9 of 15 from the field and 4 of 4 from the line. I wouldn't be expecting that sort of offensive explosion from Bob Cove all the time, but we know he's going to get steals. We know he's going to get some rebounds. We know he's going to block some shots. We just don't expect 15 shots and 9 of them to go in and 29 points, but yeah, people, oh, what about his usage with Fultz, with Simmons, Embiid? Yeah, usage didn't really bother me. Now, he had a huge usage in today's game. Yeah, 30, 30% usage is massive for a guy like Covington, but it's not something um, that I'm relying upon. I look at the steals and I go, yeah, that's nice. The blocks, that's good. The rebounds, good. And the threes, they're obviously high. But those other numbers are what's going to really stabilize his value. So while this is a, a great performance, I wouldn't be expecting this level. But of course, he has to be owned in every league. I don't think there's many people that would debate that anymore. He's really, really good. And on November 15th, he is going to get a very big extension. And dickheads all over the place are going to be, who? Who? Oh, the NBA players, they made too much money. How can Robert Covington get $12 million yet? Because he's good. Pretty straightforward. The waiver wire line of the night goes to Marco Ballinelli of the Atlanta Hawks. Yes, Ballinelli scored 20 points on 7 of 14 shooting. He hit four triples. He had three rebounds and three assists. Jumped in with three steals as well and was a perfect two of two from the line. He played only marginally... Actually, sorry, he played more minutes than uh, Torian Prince and Kent Bazemore. Oh, let me double check that because now I'm, I'm doubting myself. I'm pretty sure he played uh, more minutes than those guys. It was, it was pretty close. 
Uh, if it wasn't, let's double check that. Um, no, just marginally fewer minutes in both those guys. 26 to all three of those players. Um, yeah, just less than those guys by a few seconds. He closed the game on the wing. I wouldn't be reading too much into Ballinelli's big performance. It, it was good. Yeah, getting that sort of scoring and three-point shooting is good. The three steals is an anomaly from Ballinelli. I wouldn't be banking on him. He's more of a 16-team league sort of a player, but it's clear that he is in the rotation and he's going to be a decent part, especially after missing preseason to come in and have this large of a role. Budenholzer is going to use him, but it's not going to be a standard league thing, uh, I don't believe, as we move forward. Now, the question that pretty much everybody... Well, the the answer to the question that pretty much everybody want to know is what the hell... A, A, who is Dylan Brooks? And B, what the hell do we do with him? Because in his first NBA game, the second round draft pick for the Memphis Grizzlies played 29 minutes and he scored 19 points. He had five rebounds, two assists, four steals and two blocks and went 54% from the field. Now, I'll throw a couple of things out there. On this same team last year, Wade Baldwin had three steals and three blocks opening night. In this game, um, Andy Harrison, who is shit, only played 18 minutes. Wayne Seldon was out. Ben McLemore was out. And Tyreek Evans and Chandler Parsons played very few minutes, as did Jim Ennis. So all those wing guys were really, really crunched for minutes. And part of that's because Brooks was playing really well. But I don't think we're expecting four steals and two blocks per game. I don't think we're expecting 54% from the field, nor do I expect 19 points per game or even 29 minutes a game for Brooksy. But as I said in the opener, if you've got some low upside guy that's on your team, Pat Mills, um, Kalio Linick, um, what other names that you might have might have added? You drop them and, and grab Brooks and just to see where it goes because we know this team is calling out for someone on that wing to do something. And Harrison, Evans, Parsons, Ennis, Mclemore, Selden. It is just a cavalcade of shitness in that group. So maybe he can jump up and take the reins. I would be putting a fair degree of caution on it or a fair degree of skepticism of this sort of production repeating, but it's worth having a look at in a lot of different cases. So have a look at who you've got and maybe make that speculative ad to grab Brooksy and see what happens. But again, this this is very well going to be the high watermark of not only the season, but his entire NBA career. That is a distinct possibility for Dylan Brooks, but it was an impressive performance. He played basically the entirety of the second half to get those minutes and to get those numbers, and he was in Fisdale's good graces. We also saw a really weird rotation from Fisdale with Brandon Wright getting like 26 minutes and playing next to Marcus Ole in big chunks. As I said, Ennis, Harrison, Parsons, Evans, all playing very few minutes to get Wright and Brooks into the game, which is what happened. So it was a weird one, but it is worth monitoring. I just don't think that that sort of level of production from uh, from Dylan Brooks is going to be continuing all the way through. The dud of the night is Trevor Ariza, who scored just two points for the Houston Rockets. He had two rebounds and two assists. He was empty in the uh, in the triple one categories, all zeros there. O of six from the field and both of his... Uh, both of his points coming from the free throw line. I was down on Trevor Ariza this season. Many of you knew that. A lot of people were really interested oh, with Chris Paul and James Harden. He's going to get an op- a lot of open looks, which is which is a possibility. We know Chris Paul didn't play in this game for the Rockets today, but, but Ariza struggled. He struggled a lot down the stretch of last season, and he was a guy that I thought was getting a little bit overrated in drafts. I'm not doing anything like dropping him for Dylan Brooks in this sort of a situation, but it wasn't a great night from Ariza. He was decent in the first game against the Warriors, just a... Uh, uh, a little bit of a turd thrown up by Big Trev in this one. Nothing to be too worried about, but hopefully you didn't spend too much for him in your um in your fantasy drafts. That's uh that's the hope, I guess. Um yeah, so let's uh let's now take a look at uh at, at these games now. There were eleven of them, so we do have to break down all of those uh all of those games that did uh take place on Wednesday. So much action to uh to get to. 
my screen has uh, has gone weird on me. For those of you watching on the video, I apologize for that. I'm going to have to just resize it so we can uh, get it nice and big up on the screen. Here we go. Don't know why that just uh, disappeared on me. All right, there we go. Back up on the screen for you guys with those box scores. The first game we're going to take a look at is the Brooklyn Nets and the Indiana Pacers. The big news out of this one is Jeremy Lin, who went down with what looked like a very, very serious knee injury. Uh, he did get up and walk to the, or limp to the rooms under his own power, but if he is not out for the season, I will be surprised. Uh, we've seen players limp off with ACLs before. I believe Jabari Parker did it on one of his ones. Um, this looks like a serious injury for Lin. It looks like a season ender. He was putting up some pretty good numbers before that injury as well. If you want to make that move, I would feel pretty confident that, we're, that Lin is missing a significant chunk of time here, and I would feel okay with dropping him even before we get the confirmation of what's actually happening with that injury. So you can make that um, can that make make that move in most cases. He had 18 and four in his 25 minutes. With Lynn going out, the guys who are going to see a boost are Karis Levert, who played 28 minutes here, had 12, 2, and 4 with two steals and a block and was inefficient, but it's going to force D'Angelo Russell to the one more, and that means more minutes for the blue swimmer, Alan Crabb, and for Levert, and more minutes as the backup point guard for Spencer Dinwiddie, who played 17 in this one and had 2, 3, and 4. Now, Dinwiddie's a deeper league guy. Levert's a 12-team guy with a decent amount of potential, and uh, actually, Crabb had a pretty good line as well, 12 and 7 with two steals, a block, and two triples in this game, providing more all-around production than what he did really in any game during his Portland tenure. So that's a, that's a positive sign there. As for Russell, this um, this could push him into the top 30 this season. He was not shy to shoot. 22 shots, 55% from the field, 30 points and five assists. A big night there. But probably the most surprising performance was Trevor Booker, who played the bulk of the minutes at center for the Nets. 20 points, 10 boards, literally nothing else. No other stats at all. He was 7 of 10 from the field. So one thing I'm going to tell you, he won't shoot 70%. He probably won't grab 10 rebounds, but he could get more minutes at center than anyone else. Mozgov played only 14 minutes, and it wasn't a foul trouble issue. Jarrett Allen didn't play. Tyler Zeller didn't play, and Quincy Acey got the rest of those minutes, 16 minutes there for nine points. So Booker has some appeal. We saw him start off red hot at the end of last season as a starting power forward with unsustainable steel levels, and now he's coming out with these big 20 and 10 games. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine to have a look at, but I don't think the upside is really there for him to continue on at that sort of level. Impressive night from Rondé Hollis-Jefferson as well, 14 and 4 in 28 minutes. On the Pacers side of things, the guys we all expected to have big seasons started off fantastic. 21 and 14 with four blocks for Miles Turner. Victor Oladipo in only 25 minutes had 22, 5 and 4 with four steals. He was limited by foul trouble. He was on his he's on his way to an absolute monster of a line in the top 20 is not out of reach for Oladipo. Or Daz Collison had 21, 3 and 11 with two steals as he tightens his grip on that starting point guard job. But if we look at it, look, he was great. But only the 30 minutes, I wouldn't be expecting too much more with Lance and Corey Joseph in the frame there too. Thaddeus Young, a nice double-double, including two steals and two blocks, 17 and 11. And Domantas Sabonis, a perfect 7 of 7 from the field, 16 and 7. When or if Thad gets traded, I think Sabonis is going to be an interesting player later in the season. And he is clearly ahead of Al Jefferson in the rotation. Jefferson did not play at all with Sabonis getting those backup center minutes. Boyan Bogdanovich did his thing, and that's 14 points and nothing else. No rebounds, no assists. That's what he does. He's not a good standard league player. While Lance had 16-1-3 with a steal and a block in his 24 minutes. There's some okay numbers there from Lance. He took 19 shots, the most on the team. That won't stick. He says he was a little bit overexcited, like no shit. 
getting that sort of uh, getting that sort of playing time. But I think he's a borderline twelve team league guy, and he's one of those guys that if you've got in a twelve team league guy, I wouldn't be upset about losing him to get Levert or to get Brooks just to see what those guys do. I think his upside is fairly limited um, this season. Charlotte and Detroit. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist was out, Nick Batum was out, Michael Carter-Williams was out, so Kemba Walker had to carry things. He did pretty well, 24-6-4 in, uh, in a loss against the Detroit Pistons. Some, some decent numbers there from Kemba. Jeremy Lamb also got the start. He had 15-4 and four with a steal. Only 28 minutes for Lamb, but that's, that's not a bad line, and you still hold on to him at this point. Dwight Howard, 31 minutes, 10-15 and 15 with two blocks. You're punting free throws. I think you're really liking what Dwight's going to bring you, while Cody Zeller played alongside Howard at times in this game, 8-9 and nine with a block, but... Those minutes aren't enough for him to be a standard league regular. The fact that Howard and Zala played those minutes together meant that both Frank Kaminsky and Marvin Williams were limited. 27 minutes for Marv, 23 minutes for Frank. Not foul issues there at all. Frank is not a 12-teamer. Marvin is, but I don't think his upside is very high at all. I'm not all that keen on him. So again, if you want to drop him for one of those guys who might be on your way, whether it's Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum or Levert, I don't think that dropping Marv is, is a terrible decision. Dwayne Bacon started. He had eight points with two triples in 20 minutes, but that's a that's a deeper league sort of situation. On to the Pistons. Toby Harris was on fire. I think he dropped 17 in the first quarter, ended with 27 and 10 in 34 minutes. And you could make the argument he's this team's best player. I don't think that would be a, a foolish argument to make. Avery Bradley was limited by fouls, just 23 minutes for Brattles, 15 and 2. Uh, on 70% shooting, and the fact that he was limited allowed Langston Galloway to get 25 minutes, who had 16 and 4 with three triples and three steals. Now, Galloway will probably get 19 to 20 minutes most nights. He won't get 25. He won't get 11 shots. So, well, you can look at that and go, that's really sexy. That's really nice. That playing time won't be at that sort of level as we move forward. Andre Drummond was also limited by fouls, really early fouls. He got 8 and 13 with a steal and two blocks. Hit both his free throws, and that seems to be a trend now because he can he hit them? It, it, it appears to be. Let's see how it goes, but it appears to be the case. Don't be too worried about the minutes there. While Reggie Jackson got the start over Ish Smith and had 13, 5, and 8 in 27 minutes. You know, solid, and I don't think that Jackson should be on any waiver-wise anywhere. The Boba Majanovic hype in the offseason was out of control, and he was a DNPCD with Eric Moreland getting first quarter minutes. And if Boban can't play against Dwight Howard and Cody Zeller, who can he play against? That is the real concern. This is why I was not big on him. He had very limited upside, in my opinion. Great per 36 numbers, but who can he play against? You've got uh, Moreland getting these minutes, the tackle box, John Lua getting backup center minutes alongside Henry Allenson at the four, and the Pistons got the win pretty comfortably. I wouldn't be expecting anything from Boban. If you've got him in a 12-team league, get rid of him. There is absolutely no need to hold on to him. Ish Smith does what he does, 21 minutes, six assists, really an assist specialist, but we know that assists can be really valuable in standard league. So Ish has that value there, but I believe that Jackson will start pretty much all of this season and a 28, 20 minute split, I think is probably the way that it goes most of the time. Philadelphia and Washington. We talked about Bob Cobb already. Ben Simmons was legit. 18 and 10, five assists, two steals and a block. He looked fantastic. He's so fast in transition. He's so big. He's got such great vision. He won't score like this all the time. He won't take that many shots. He won't necessarily be this efficient, but he is really good. And he is, uh, I would say that he is still the favorite for the rookie of the year. Joel Embiid, well, he's probably going to play 16 minutes. Cool. 27 minutes for Embiid, 18 and 13 with three assists and a block. If he's playing 27 minutes in the open, and I told you I wasn't all that concerned with him heading into this season in terms of injury. I thought that he was going to be a real interesting player. 
he's a top 10 guy this season. There's a real chance that if he, he could be up to 30 minutes by November. And if he gets, if he's playing 32 a night before Christmas, forget it. Like we're talking top 12 really, really comfortably. I believe that's another monster line from Embiid there. Jared Bayless played 28 in the start, 13, three and three with three triples. He has a real short term value while Markel Fultz comes off the bench and Fultz played just 18 minutes. Bayless's upside is clearly limited. But as a streaming option, there's something there. And when Embiid sat, we had Amir Johnson play center and Sharich play center. 15 minutes for Amir, 23 minutes for Sharich. I don't believe Sharich is a 12-team league guy. Amir isn't either. And Jolly Lokafor, not in the rotation at all. So when we see Embiid sit one of these games, which he probably will on Friday, Saturday for a back-to-back, Okafor will probably come in there. But he's not worth holding. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Rashawn Holmes when, uh, when Holmes he comes back. For the Wizards, big night from Marcin Gortat. Started out on fire, 34 minutes, 16 points, 17 rebounds, 3 blocks. These are the sort of performances he was putting up at the start of last season when Mahinmi was out. But Mahinmi was healthy in this one, so it was a curious decision from Scott Brooks. So, yeah, I've been clearly out on Gortat. Uh, I'm I'm not big on him this season because I thought there'd be a lot of minutes issues, but clearly not in this case. Jason Smith started. Played seven minutes before exiting with a shoulder strain. He didn't do much there. There's not much short-term value in him. I'd rather Kelly Oubre, who had 14 and 8 with a pair of steals and and blocks. So some good numbers for Oubre, who's going to get that extra run while Markeith Morris remains out. That might not be that long, but for a month, maybe three weeks, yeah, Ubre is going to have a, a level of value there. Otto Porter, 10 and 8, started out on fire. I think he scored the first eight points of the game and then scored two more for the rest of the game. And as usual, a 12% usage for one of the best shooters in the league. He doesn't touch the ball enough, and that really does reduce his value, in my opinion. While well, Jody Meeks off the bench, 14 points in 19 minutes, an interesting streamer. I cannot believe still that people were debating whether they should trade away Jalen Brown for Bradley Beal. Beal only had 25, 6 and 4 with three steals and a block. So yeah, terrible game from him. I just, I, I cannot, I cannot for the life of me get my head around that. Miami and Orlando, Dion Waiters, ankle, sprained it like three times in this game, still played 38 minutes and had 15 points, four assists, two steals and a block. The efficiency wasn't there. He was one of six from three. Um, the ankle is going to be a problem for Waiters all season. I still think that he's a, an ownable guy, but He's a back-end ownable guy because, again, Josh Richardson is better. Now, this wasn't Josh Richardson's best game. He had 10-2-2 and with two triples, but 35 minutes. And it is clear, the losers in this rotation battle are Tyler Johnson, who played 21 minutes. The Duke, Wayne Ellington, who played 10 minutes. And Justice Windsor, who played 23 minutes and basically as the backup point guard. Tyler Johnson in 12-teamers, gone. Winslow, no, I've got no interest. And Wayne Ellington, of course, is just that three-point streamer. Kelly Olynyk only 21 minutes and was effective, as well he was in his time in Boston, 10-5-3. But when you're starting at center, oh, sorry, at power forward, and then uh, and Jim Johnson plays just 19 minutes due to foul trouble, him getting only 21 is a real real concern. Johnson was at it again at his best, 11-4-8 with a steal and a block. That is a fantastic multi-categorical line from Jim Johnson. But the minutes weren't there, but don't panic. They are foul trouble-induced minutes. If he's playing 27, then he could really be getting back to cracking in that top 70 sort of range. So don't be too panicky there. But Tyler Johnson owners, it's just I talked about it yesterday. It's, I just don't see it happening. The Orlando Magic, a nine-man rotation, big minutes to the starters, the complete opposite of the bullshit that Frank Vogel was running last season. Vooch, 19 and 13, with two steals and two blocks. I was massive on him this season. A big night there. Evan Fournier, 23 points with three assists. 
Aaron Gordon, 14 and 9 with two blocks in 34 minutes. Didn't shoot the ball well. Could easily have been a 20 and 10 game from Gordo. He was big. 13, 3 and 9 with three steals for Lord Alfred. Huge nights from all these magic starters. While Terry Ross, who'd been dealing with that hamstring, had 15, 6 and 4 with three threes and two steals. Now, I don't really rely upon Ross to get the six boards or the four assists moving forward. But steals and threes, he's going to have some value. So he's a decent guy to have a look at if he is around. I'm not not sold. I, I do believe he's better than John Simmons, who played 28 minutes and had 12 and 2. Bismack Biombo, 16 minutes. That is his role. And DJ Augustine played over um, Shelvin Mack with Aaron Aflalo and Mario Hazonia, both being DMP CDs. John Isaac in the rotation from night one as well. Milwaukee. And the Boston Celtics, big win for the Bucks. Yanni was ridiculous, 37-13 and 13 with three steals. Yeah, brilliant efficiency. He went um, he went 11 of 13 from the free throw line. Just big, big numbers from Adetokounmpo, and that's exactly what you want if you, are, if you drafted him at number one. Big minutes for many players, 43 minutes for Chrissy Middleton, 41 minutes for Brogo, Malcolm Brogdon. He had 19 with four assists, and Middleton had 15, 9, and 6 with two steals. And we saw a lot of the Brogdon Dalavadova backcourt with Dally having 15 points in 26 minutes, limiting Tone Snell, who again is terrible, to 29 minutes, 5 points, and 4 rebounds. I'm, I'm glad that you know, Dalavadova is getting those minutes and, and Brogdon's getting so much more playing time because Snell just, he isn't good. DJ Wilson was out of the rotation here, but Jason Kidd was at it again with his just constant bullshit. No, I don't think we can play through centers. Definitely can't play three centers. Um, so let's play our third string center more than our first and second. There's the logic. That's that's how that's how this bloke rolls. Um, but he got the win. So who am I to criticize him? Thon McCurr played 14 minutes. Yeah. Greggy Munro played 17. Now Munro did have to leave the court for some stitches in his face, and he had 10 and six in that time. So productive as usual in that sort of playing time. But then John Henson closes the game, plays 17 minutes, more than Munro, more than McCurr, and Henson had five and six with four blocks. So if we knew Henson was getting 20 a night, he's a brilliant blocks stream guy, but he is just so bad and he is just so inconsistent as is Kid that if I own McCurr in a 12-team league taking the punt on him, I wouldn't necessarily be holding. I know that Kyle would probably disagree with me there, but I'm not I'm not that interested in holding on to, to McCurr with, uh, with this Kid. Nonsense as usual. For Boston, of course, no Gordon Haywood, no Marcus Morris, we had Marcus Smart move into the starting lineup. He was at it again, shooting terribly, but putting up the numbers. 12, 7, and 4, 3 threes and 3 steals. And you absolutely love that as a punt field goal guy. You hate the 1 of 6 from the line. But all those other numbers keep coming. Well, Jalen Brown had 18, 5, and 3. He had foul trouble, and that limited him to 28 minutes. He also had a bandage on his wrist. At the end of the game, he says he was he's fine. He is a clear guy that you want to own. He's not as good as Bradley Beal, but you want to own him. Uh, while Jason Tatum wasn't quite as successful, but still, 8 and 9, and the fact that he played 37 minutes is impressive. Two assists and a steal. I think he is a 12-team league guy as well. Terry Rozier, though, the best of the Celtics, 15, 7, and 6, three triples, two steals for Rozier, 50% shooting, which uh, he's he's a Marcus Smart level of shooter, so if you can get that level from him, that's really good. He's going to have to play over 20 minutes a night, at least until Marcus Morris returns. So you could do worse than adding Rozier in 12-team leagues. Shemi Ojale, Abdul Nader, they were they were picking up the backup minutes while uh, Kyrie had a, a bit of a quiet night. Took 25 shots, didn't hit that many of them, just seven, 17, four, and three with three steals and um, and two triples. The New Orleans Pelicans and the Memphis Grizzlies. I was I was hyped for Sheck Diallo. Yeah, there's no other backup big men on this team. He played 50 seconds. 
So when Cousins and Davis were out, they just went one big and they went wings and yeah, Dante Cunningham. Cousins was brilliant. 28 and 10 with three triples and seven blocks. Fantastic. Anthony Davis, who was ill, had 33 and 18 with a block. Both those guys shot poorly, but went to the line and hit their shots from the free throw line at a really high level. So they were really good in uh, in that respect. Some pretty good numbers there. Dante Cunningham grabbed his nine boards. He had a triple one. Of course, he's just a deeper league guy. While the mystery surrounding why the hell can't Drew Holiday shoot when he plays with Don, uh, Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins reared its head again. Two of 11 from the field for four points. He had six rebounds. Four assists and a steal did Drew in 39 minutes. Um, no panicking there, though, if you do own him. Etwan Moore played a lot of minutes, 34 minutes for, uh, for Etwan, 11, 2, and 4 in that, uh, in that time. So more of, a, more, of a deeper league sort of a, more of a deeper league sort of a player is Etwan Moore. On to Memphis. Um, Mike Conley, I thought he was going to have a, a pretty, big, um, pretty big year. He started off really well here, 27, 5, and 3 with two steals. Um, two steals, three assists, 60% from the field. Really, really good night from um, from Conley, and I think he's going to have a big year. Talked about Brooksy already. Marcus Gasol, 14 and 11 in 29 minutes, but this rotation was all over the place. Jim Ennis started and played 19. Jermichael Green started. He played four minutes before leaving with a with an ankle injury. Two two points for Jermichael. I don't... Um, I think it's going to miss some time. It looked relatively serious. They carried him off the court. I expect at least a couple of weeks here for Jermichael. Jarrell Martin started in his place. He had two and five. Not a standard league pickup, in my opinion. Andy Harrison, two points in his 19, while Chalmers played 26 minutes. And Chandler Parsons had six points in 15. Brandon Wright was one of the other guys who stood out here. 10 and four in 27 minutes with two steals and a block. I like him as a 14-team league sort of a guy. Maybe a 16-teamer, just given the way this played out, just to see how that... Uh, see how that pans out. But of course, the big news from that one was the play of Dylan Brooks. Atlanta and Dallas, Dennis Schroeder, he had a usage of 36%. And to be honest, that might be low based on what he can do this season. 28-2-7, two steals, 50% from the field. An impressive night there from uh, from Big Den. While I think everyone will be loving to see what Johnny Collins did. 14-5, two steals. But what I'm most impressed is he played 22 minutes and Ursan played 24 minutes. So I thought that early on it might be 27 and, and 17. But the fact that they're getting, um, they're getting equal minutes here is great news for Collins because once he gets 25 minutes, forget it. It's over. He's a top 100 guy. So if you want to... Look, that might happen in two weeks' time. So if you want to grab John Collins, his potential is through the roof and you saw it in this game. Torian Prince, a lot of people, I need to drop Torian Prince. Yeah, he played 26 minutes, but he had 10 and 10. He had a block. Hold on to him. Let's let's not panic too much. And a lot of people panicking about Dwayne Dedman. I'm not sure about Dedman. Only 9 and 7 with 3 blocks. Like, what more do you want from him? 9 and 7, 3 blocks, 50% from the field, 75 from the line. I'm okay with that from Dwayne Dedman. He should still be held on to. Mike, um, Mike Muscala only played 14 minutes, so he's not really a threat to take away Dedman's playing time. And just in breaking news, Kent Bazemore, still bad. 27 minutes, 7, 4, and 3. He had the opportunity here to be a 31-minute guy. And I said, look, I'm just not sure that he's good enough to get those minutes. And I think it, I said at some point, maybe DeAndre Bembry can take his role. It turns out that Ballinelli pretty much cut into his role in this game. I'm still holding Bazemore, but he just isn't good. And he's not a guy that deserves 31 minutes a night. So let's see how that pans out. That opportunity is there for him, but he's just not good. I'll tell you who is good, though. Nerlens Noel, who had 16 and 11 with a steal and three blocks in under 20 minutes. The minutes are going to be the problem, but it doesn't matter. If he gets 23 minutes a night, he should be owned in every league. He shouldn't be on any waiver wire. You can see, look, he won't be this productive, clearly. 
but he is a top 25 guy in 30 minutes a night. He just isn't getting that sort of playing time here in Dallas. Wes Matthews, really good night from Wes. I thought that he, he was sort of washed a little bit last season, but turning it around, a different role, five assists, 15 points, five triples, eight rebounds, strong from Wes. While Dennis Smith Jr. had 16-3-10 and 10 in 30 minutes, had to leave the court with a bit of an ankle uh, problem, but came back. He was fine. Big numbers there from him, while Yogi Ferrell had nine points and two assists in 32 minutes. Yogi's one of those guys who has short-term value and curries out. Piss him off. Get Dylan Brooks. Get Karis LeVert. Get one of these other guys. Get Brandon Wright. Get John Collins, whoever it is. There's no real upside there in the uh, in Yogi Ferrell. The pencil Harrison Barnes, 14-7 and seven on 23% shooting. I just did not think that he was going to get anywhere close to living up to his ADP, and obviously it's just one game. But this is more the production I'm expecting from Barnes this season. Well, Dirk struggled to 10-6 and six in 24. And if you want to drop Dirk, I don't have a problem with that because his upside is fairly limited this season. Denver and Utah, a real capitulation from Denver. They had a big lead, choked it away in the end to lose by 10. Farton, Will Barton, miraculously returns from his injury, 31 minutes, 23 and 6, three triples of steal and a block. I still don't like this guy. I still don't think that, nothing personal. He's sure he's a good bloke. Definitely not in the ship bloke rankings. I just don't think he's that good of a player, but he was playing a ton of minutes. He stole all of Wancho's playing time. He stole some of Jamal Murray's playing time, and they're good numbers. So he probably should be owned in most leagues, but I don't have confidence in it continuing all season. But I'll be if he's there, go and grab him. Gaz Harris, an extraordinarily low usage of 11%, but 14 and 5 with three triples is solid, 71% shooting. Paulie Millsap had 19 and 6. And Nikola Jokic, I said that yesterday in the DFS section, I wasn't really keen on him for today because he was going to get go bad, and he did. Seven points on 30% shooting, still had 12 rebounds, still had eight assists. But if he's at his normal, you know, six of 10 from the field, so hitting another three shots, that gives him 13, 12, and eight, and it's a pretty decent-looking line. But there is that level of concern there. One show, only six minutes, which really, really... It makes me not happy. Jamal Murray, tons of questions. Do I drop Jamal Murray? I know he played 20 minutes as a starting point guard. He had 8-2-2 two two with two triples, but no, you don't drop him at this point. You don't drop him for Dylan Brooks. I don't anyway. You can go and do that. I think his upside is still there, but there will be some uh, There will be some yeah, not um, not great moments from Murray. And if we're still at this stage in two weeks, then, then go ahead. He was always a guy that, you know, I said, look, he's got this top 70 potential, but I wouldn't take him there because he's not not a real guarantee to get to that spot, and that's why taking those guys that high can be somewhat of a risk. On the Jazz side of things, Jinglin Joe, his preseason was terrible, but this is what he did last year. 11-5-6, two steals and three triples. The threes, the assists, the steals, really good numbers from Jinglin. I don't know if he's got massive upside, but he does have a place in a lot of 12-team leagues. Well, Gobert, 18-10. and 10. I reckon you should almost count that as a standard line for him. Only one block, but the fact that he went to the line four times and hit all four of them was fantastic. You have to be impressed with Derek Favors, who had 14, 4, and 4 as well, while uh, Ravishing Rick Rubio had 9, 5, and 10 with two steals. Pretty much what you expect. Five rebounds, 10 assists, two steals. Let's hope his scoring gets up, but everything else was as advertised. A weird situation in this one. Rodney Hood, the Rocket, he was ready to start on the court, ran off, ran to the locker room. Had to shit his pants again. We had this happen with Hood last season where he was just constantly shitting his pants, it felt like. And that's what happened here. Donovan Mitchell got the start and Rocket played just 18 minutes. So a lot of them, do I drop Rodney Hood? I wouldn't be dropping him after this game, but I'd be keeping a close eye on it. I think there's something more nefarious going on with his stomach because that's just not normal. Unless he just gets absolutely ridiculously nervous before these games, why is he constantly shitting his pants? Like, what is going on with him? 
Hold on to him. He only had six points. Mitchell had 10, 1, and 4. If you did happen to add him, I think the minutes will be in that 23 to 25 range anyway. So I'd hold on and see how that uh, see how that plays out for him. Alec Burks is also on fire, but 70% shooting is probably unsustainable where he had 16 points in his 15 minutes. Minnesota and San Antonio, we go 30 minutes only, which is a bit of a surprise. 26 points with four triples and five rebounds, but let's go to the field goal percentage. 64%, yeah, that can't continue, but I was impressed that he got to the line nine times. I was less impressed that he hit just four of them, but getting to the line nine times is impressive. And as per usual, no steals, no blocks, one assist and five rebounds. Carl Anthony Towns, 18 and 13, two steals and a block. I guess a little bit underwhelming, but... That's not terrible. While Jim Butler in his first game for his new team, only 12 points on 12 shots, four rebounds, three assists, a steal, and two triples. These guys will take a little bit of time to figure things out. Jeff Teague. My name is Jeff. He was benched down the stretch, just 25 minutes, 11, 2, and 6 with a triple one. So the numbers are fine, but Tyus Jones was playing superior to him in terms of plus minus and the way the Wolves were playing on the court in their loss. So that's why he got those, uh, those minutes over Jeff. I think Teague is fine, but of course, you know that I thought that he was uh, getting a little bit overdrafted while Gorgie Jeng, 14 minutes, get rid of him. I didn't think that he probably should be drafted in standard leagues once we saw what Thibodeau was going to do. Taj played 27 and we had Shabazz Muhammad and Nemanja Bilica play some minutes at power forward as well. So if Jeng's playing under 20 minutes a game, forget it. I know he's really good. I know he can put up numbers, but if, if Thibodeau's not believing in him, then it doesn't matter. For the San Antonio Spurs, no Kawhi, so Kyle Anderson started. He played 30 minutes, and for once, he didn't let us down. 12-9 and nine with a 3, an assist, and a block. They're good numbers. I wouldn't say that it's a must-add standard league guy, but Kawhi could be out for the next two weeks. We, we don't know at this point, so Kyle has some value there. Rudy Gay looked spry, 24 minutes, 14-5, and five, but they are going to ease him back. He's fine to own. Um, I'm not sure the upside's really there. Dan Green returns. 17-4-2 for Danny. Three triples, two steals, and two blocks. And this is what made him a fantasy sweetheart a few years ago. I've got no problem with adding him now. I think it's a, I think it's a good move because if he's going to get 32 a night and the defensive numbers come back, then that's, that's really good. Well, DeJounte Murray looks strong as well. 16-5, and five, and he did it defensively too. Two steals, one block. The 88% shooting's not going to happen, but his length is what troubles people with those defensive numbers. The upside's not fantastic, though. I really like him long-term. Don't get me wrong. I really, I think he's going to be a really good player long-term. I'm just not sure it's going to develop into top 100 numbers this year. Pat Mills, 3-2-2. Two, and two. Yeah, Get rid of him. It, it was worth a look, but he's more just a point sort of guy. He'll be better than this. But no, with all the other waiver wire moves that you make at this time of year, forget it. You don't have to worry about him. The Houston Rockets, Chris Paul was out of this one. So Eric Gordon got the start, 25-4-3 with four triples. He took 23 shots, which is a shit ton. It is more than Harden. He had only 30 of them. If you want to sell high on a guy, this is the absolute red-hot number one candidate. If anyone, or, or Jalen Brown, if anyone buys into this from Eric Gordon, he's looked really, really good. But shit, he's not going to be able to continue at this level. Harden, on the other hand, was great. He can continue here. 27-3-9, four triples and two steals. And how's my boy, Clint Capella? 22 and 17, three steals and a block. It was insanity to me that he played so little against Golden State. 28 minutes here, destruction of the Sacramento Kings. I hope D'Antoni doesn't run with um, you know, matchup bullshit because I think Capella can play against pretty much anyone. He is a monster. His free throws were fine. Look good. 26 for Ryan Anderson, 10 and 5 with two triples. And I think that's more representative of what we expect from Anderson rather than what we saw against Golden State. PJ Tucker, another 29 minutes. Luke Marmute, another 24. But... If Capella's getting big minutes and Paul is back, 
what do we do with Tucker? What do we do with Marmute? Are they going to get that playing time? You know, PJ didn't score 20 again, shockingly. Only six points, while Marmute did nothing. So they are fringe guys. Marmute is not a 12-team guy. He's a 16-team league guy. Tucker's a fringe 12 guy, but the upside is really, really limited. For the Sacramento Kings, there was no Bogdan Bogdanovich. There was no Zebo. So Scalabissier got a start. He had 12 and 10 in 33 minutes, but I would be anticipating he moves back to the bench for the next one when Zebo returns. Justin Jackson started with Bogdanovich out. He had five and two in 19 minutes and so nothing exciting there. But we have to like what we saw from Big Will Cauley-Stein. 21 and 10 with three blocks. Really excited. I hope Jaeger doesn't screw around. Jaeger has got the potential to be the worst coach in the NBA for fantasy purposes this season. A few other coaches yeah, just putting their hands up, reminding me that they're there today. But that's big from Will. Um, he should be getting 30 a night. And he, he's not going to score 21, but but that's some big numbers. And I loved what I saw from Bud Heald, 19-5-4 and four with three triples. Now, I don't like Bud Heald necessarily as a player, but he has impressed me during his time in Sacramento. De'Aaron Fox was also decently impressive, 14-4-5 and five in his 24 minutes. I think he's going to be a borderline guy for, for a while, um, but the potential is clearly there. So he is someone to, to take a squeeze at, while Garrett Temple played 30 minutes, 30 nonsensical minutes, sorry, 5-1-3 and three with four steals. It just When Bogdan comes back, if Temple is playing minutes over him, then I will, I will not be happy. Same as if Randolph is killing Lebissier's value. That's going to that's gonna ship me to a, a large degree as well. The last game of the night was the Portland Trailblazers and the Phoenix Suns. This was just disgusting. The best thing about this game is that the fact that the Phoenix Suns have the best jerseys in the league, so that was something to watch. But Jesus, they got absolutely pummeled. It was a 48-point victory to the Blazers. Lillard had 27-5-5 five and five with three blocks and four triples. This was a game without CJ McCollum. So, of course, Pat Connaughton had 24 points with four triples in 32 minutes. He's impressed in preseason. He could be an every-night part of the rotation, but he's not going to be this guy. Shabazz Napier had 10-3-3, while Aminu grabbed 12 boards in his start at Power Forward, which I imagine that he keeps doing until Noah Vonley returns. Evan Turner had 12-4-3, and he started in place of CJ, but he's not really a 12-team like uh, type of guy. Zach Collins was ruled out just before the game with gastroenteritis. He must have been eating with Rod Hood. Caleb Swanigan, everyone's, you know, oh, man, man Swanigan is going to kill it 28 minutes a night. No, 18 minutes, 8-4-3. and three. He is not a 12-team league guy, in my opinion. Well, Mo Harkless, 8-5-2, and two, and I don't think he is a 12-team league guy either. It wasn't the best night from Yusuf Nurkic. The percentages were down. He had 11-11 and 11 in 23 minutes, but I don't think we need to be too concerned there. Well, Myers Leonard out of the rotation until junk time. The Suns. Jesus. Um, Devin Booker exited the game with leg cramps. He'll be fine. He had 12-5 and five in a pretty full line, and Bledsoe had 15-4-3 and three with two steals and a block. Both guys were shithouse with their percentages, and I think Booker might really hurt you in that category this season. The Suns made an interesting choice with Jared Dudley and Alex Len out. They decided to start Tyson Chandler at center and Josh Jackson at power forward, meaning Marquise Chris went to the bench. He played three minutes in the first half and nine minutes in the second half, and a lot of those in junk time as well. And I, I give shit to Earl Watson a lot. He's a terrible coach. He won't last this season. But at least he realized that Marquise Chris isn't good. He is not a good player. Now, there's a way to separate this stuff. He is a good fantasy player, Marquise Chris. If he gets 30 minutes a night, he is a triple one and a half sort of player. He can put up those numbers. But he is a horrendous on-court basketball player. Horrendous. And at some point, you've got to look at the potential or you know, the numbers versus what he's actually doing. Dragon Bender played ahead of him, as he should, because Bender is the better prospect overall. He's probably a worse player at this point, but... Maybe he's not. If you own Chris, I'm worried, but I am holding because if if the minutes are there, the numbers are come. There's no doubt about the numbers coming from Chris. 
They will be there. He will block shots. He will be a petulant bitch. All this stuff will happen. But he had five fouls in 12 minutes. He is as immature and as ill-disciplined as they come. And that could be a real problem for him this season. And so, so that that is the concern with him. As for Joshy Jackson, 11-2. and two, I, I, He's fine. You keep holding him in 12s, but I'm not totally sold that he's going to be this awesome option. But he played 32 minutes while TJ Warren played 28 Eight and four. I'm still holding TJ, but it is a, a situation to clearly monitor. But it's hard to get a full read on the Suns, considering they had their pants down around their ankles from basically, uh, basically the opening tip in this one. Um, all right, that is all eleven of those games got through those ones. So now let's. Uh, I'm going to take a quick drink of water, and now then let's uh, let's talk DFS action because. Um, that's where we're onto it. And something's happened with my video here. I don't know why my screen's all over the place. I'm going to attempt to fix that. Ah, oh, there we go. Back in business with the screen. I'm going to take a quick break and have a drink, and then we'll talk DFS. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We're going to have a look at DFS action. Let's take a look at the perfect DFS lineups from um, whatever day it, it was that now, for some reason, my uh, my file has disappeared. Just it's it's um it's the start of the season for me too. So trying to get this uh trying to get all this stuff happening. I don't know why my file is not appearing here for my uh, for you guys in the video. So I'm going to bring up the perfect DFS lineup um on my on my own screen and read it out to you because my graphics aren't working just to completely uh, bother me. Let's start off with DraftKings uh, with the perfect lineup over there. Yesterday there were some glitches in the system. Today I think we're all good. Giannis Adetokounmpo 62.75, Dylan Brooks at 39.25, Toby Harris at 47, Thad Young at 44.25, and Hassan Whiteside at 58.5. Darren Collison 46.25, Bob Covert 46.25, and Clint Capella at 53.25 for a total of 397.5, and that cost 49,200 which is, again, just crazy high numbers. I told you that these numbers were going to be crazy. We'll talk about the uh, the other ones later on, but um, there's some crazy numbers. Fangel through the roof. Dame Lillard, 52.5. Darren Collison, 45.1. Beal at 48.2. Rosier at 38.4. Toby Harris, 42.5. Dylan Brooks, 44. Tone Davis at 52.6. Yanni at 61.1. And my man, Clint Capella at 53.9 to round out the... Um, uh, round out the, what do we call it, the the day in terms of the perfect DFS lineups. Now, FanDuel's pricing was extraordinarily weak the first two days. For Thursday, it is tight and it is that tight. There is more value on DraftKings. The Aussie sites, Moneyball and DraftStars, there's still value just pouring out of their assholes over there. There is so many guys you can get, but Fangio has tightened things up to a really, really extreme level for Thursday's action. So don't think you're going to get the same level of production or same level of output that you got in those uh, in those first uh, couple of days. The first game we're going to take a look at is the Chicago Bulls and the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors are favored by 13. The total is 206 and a half. And just a quick shout out to the Chicago Bulls for being absolutely piss weak, piss ants, and suspending Bobby Porters for just eight games. And Porters is going to be back before Nikola Mirotic. If he gets minutes in this rotation over Mirotic, then everyone in that organization deserves to be fired. They won't because they are a bunch of weak pricks. But that is exactly what will uh, what will happen. The Raptors are favored by 13. Lowry Markinen will start for the Bulls. Paul Zipser will start as well. Quincy Pondexter, who was ruled out yesterday, now apparently is going to get some minutes as the backup power forward here also. Let's take a look at, at the point guard position. Jaron Grant's at 6,600. Yeah, that's, uh, that feels pretty high for, for Jaron. Um, I, I, like uh, I like his ability here to put up some numbers. I, I like his value. I think he should be able to get to 30, 
30 points, but getting over that's going to be a tough ask. I'm not really in on that. When I look at Kyle Lowry, who's at 8,600, and given that the tightness of the pricing, you're getting a guy like Lowry in where I feel pretty confident of him getting at least 40 points. I think that's a pretty good uh, pretty good one to go on. You can take a punt on a guy like DeLon Wright at 4,200, but even he is a little bit high, but he can come in with the new scoring system, nab three steals, and be well on his way to breaking through that value. While Ryan Archer-Jackano and Fred Van Vliet are real, real long shots. At shooting guard, I like DeRozan at 8,800. He should be able to feast on this Piss Week Bulls team. Yeah, he's got a 40-pointer pretty much uh, under wraps here. Norm Powell at 47. It looks like he's going to start. There is a little bit of variance in power, so he to me he is more of a of a GPP guy than a cash guy, but there is still something there. Well, Justin Holiday, who I thought would be real smashable on this slate, they've bumped him to six thousand five hundred. I'd feel pretty good actually about using him at sixty five hundred, given just the lack of options on this slate in general. Other shooting guards, Denzel Valentine, fifty four hundred is just too high for Denzel. I just look, he's got upside, no doubt, but that's just too high. So I'm not in on Denzel at that sort of a price. What David Nawaba? No thanks. Small forward, Paulie Zipser, forty eight hundred. Give me Paul Zipser at four thousand, and I'm all over it. I just don't, I don't get it. At four thousand eight hundred, it's very, very high. He's going to start. He's going to play minutes, but he doesn't normally put up points in in big chunks. Well, CJ Miles at 4,000, that to me is one that you do want to have a look at as a GPP play at power forward. Serge Barker at 6,300, I will fade the shit out of that. He has struggled yeah, a lot. That's quite a big price for Serge. I'll go another direction just unless I just have no option. And that other option might have been Larry Markkinen, but he is somehow priced at 6,500. The pricing has been cranked up on Fangio. I'll continue to say it. Don't expect 400s. Yeah, you might not crack 300 in Fangio tomorrow, and that, that's legit. You might not get to that level. 6,500 is more of a tournament situation in his first game against a, a pretty good team. Pascal Siakam at 3,100. If he had hands, then maybe that would be useful, but I don't think so. Robin Lopez at 56. I don't think there's upside in that, but I think that he can actually get to that level or get to at least 25, which is going to be good enough on a day like this. So I'm okay with him for a cash situa- situation. While Jonas Valanciunas has looked really good in the preseason, but unfortunately his coach is still Dwayne Casey, so 5,400 might make him a little bit, um, might make him just a little bit, um, a little bit too highly priced. But but I don't I don't hate it. There is an element of risk there. Felicio and Jakob Pertl, two backup guys there. I wouldn't I wouldn't be averse to throwing Felicio into a um, into a tournament type setting. On DraftKings, there's more value because Jaron Grant's at 53, Markkinen's at 56, Zips's at 42, Abarka's at 54, and Lowry's at 79. So way more value there. Even DeLon Wright at 35 and Justin Holiday at 59 really do stand out to me in this game. So it is a game that I'd be looking at more on DraftKings. DeRozan at 83 is pretty strong, and 47 for Norm Powell is also a good bet over on uh, over on DraftKings. Uh, as opposed to what uh, what sort of pricing we had over on Fangio. Let's move on to the next game of the night, and that is the New York Knicks and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mallow against his former team, Ennis Cantor, Doug McDermott, all these guys against their former team as well. The Thunder are favored by 12.5, and, and the total is 215, the second highest of the night. Frank Nilakina will play, but it will be in a backup role, so there's not much to see there. While Kristaps Porzingis... Porzingis... He is probable with his hip issue. He should be right to go. I don't have any concerns there. Ray Felton and Patrick Patterson in Oklahoma City are both questionable. If Ray Felton doesn't play, there is literally no other point guard on this team. Paul George is going to have to run that second unit, and that will actually boost George's value because maybe his assist numbers come up, and you're going to see more minutes for wings like Terrence Ferguson and maybe 
maybe Daniel Hamilton or one of those guys at the two. There is just nothing, nothing. They've got two point guards, the Thunder. If Felton's out, they're in a lot of trouble. If Pat Pat's out, then Jeremy Grant gets a real boost as the backup center there, and maybe Dakari Johnson, maybe, but uh, Jeremy Grant would be the guy that I look at. On Fangio, again, just no value really here at all. Apart from Timmy Hardaway, who at 5,500, I think he's almost going to be the core of all cash games I'd look at on Fangio at that price. It is a very, very good price for Tim. I'll talk about the other shooting guards in a sec. Russ is at 11,800. On a, on a slate like this where there is just, it is hard to get value. There aren't many cheap guys around, so maybe 11,800 is not a good price for Westbrook. We know how many numbers he's putting up last year, but you're expecting him to get 55 to 60 here with George and, and uh, with George and Mallow on his team and a blowout situation. In cash, it might be a little bit hard to use Russ. Ramon Sessions, 4,600. I just I don't feel like the minutes are going to be there. I think Hornacek will run three guards. He'll run uh, Ronnie, rugged Ronnie Baker. He'll run Sessions. He'll run Neil Aquina. And we're not going to throw Felton or Neil Aquina out there either. As I said, Hardaway, I really like. Courtney Lee at 4,400. There's a bit there for Courtney Lee at 4,400. And on a slate, just really lacking value. I think Lee has got somewhat. Robertson at 43. I don't hate him in a GPP either, especially if he gets some defensive numbers. Alex Abrines is the other one. He can do a Jody Meeks. He can do an Uncle P. Nick Young. Shit, he can do a Bob Coven, go and hit four or five threes in limited minutes, especially if, uh, if Raymond Felton is out. Abrines at $3,000. That could be, a, it could be a guy that does swing a tournament lineup. At small forward, we've got Paul George at 8,600. As I said, if Felton is out, his appeal does go up because I think he gets more assist in that situation. I don't love him otherwise, but you might be forced into using Paulie. While uh, Lance Thomas and Doug McDirt, they are they're not really all that appealing to me. Lancey at 3,000, maybe, I could see, but with McDermott, with Beasley, with Lee, all in the mix for minutes at the three, it's going to be hard for Lance to play enough, I believe. At power forward, Porzingis at 8,200. Um, the hip issue, the... I don't, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. He's not one that I'm all over in this situation. But I love Mike Beasley here at four thousand. We know that Bees can go out there and drop a quick eighteen points, and at four thousand dollars, he just might be the guy that helps swing your GPP. So I do like using him at that price. Pat, Pat, no, Mallow at eight thousand. It's just too high. Well, Jeremy Grant at three thousand. I'm, I'm in on Jeremy. I don't think Jeremy Grant's that good, but at three thousand bucks, if we're going to have Patterson out, then Grant is going to have to play block four shots and shit. He's already there. He's already got his value pretty much and. And he can easily do that. We've seen him have blocks in big chunks. Ennis Cantor at 5,900. I don't trust Jeff Hornacek at all. Willie Hernan Gomez, I'd throw one of them into a tournament. I wouldn't put both in. You, know, you could have um, Hornacek getting Kylo Quinn out as well. Who knows what they're going to do? There's, in that price, there's just no way that I want to trust that situation. Whereas Steve Adams at 6300 $400 more than Cantor. I feel pretty rock solid in, in Adams at least getting to 26 points, which might be enough on a day where the value on Fangio is just absolutely shitful. On DraftKings, it's a little bit better. I like Russ at $11,000. Heaps better over there. You can get behind that. Um Hernan Gomez and Cantor, again, the same situation. Their, their values are a little bit cheaper, um, but we're really looking at them as tournament-type players. Sessions at 4,100, and Courtney Lee at 4,000 is a great one, while Timmy Hardaway at 58 is nice. Steve Adams at 5,700 is also a really strong play. 81 for Paul George. Mm, yeah, look, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with Paul George at 81 on DraftKings. I think that's some value. And Mallow at 72 would be a GPP type of guy, whereas Jeremy Grant and Michael Beasley, both sub-4,000, uh, remain good GPP options. One game to go for the night, and that is the Battle of Los Angeles, the LA Clippers versus the Los Angeles Lakers. We um, 
Julius Randle is probable with that intercostal sprain. Andrew Bogut is probable. Lonzo Ball is going to play. We've got the Rooster Dinla Gallinari, who is probable. We've got Pat Beverly, who is going to play. Austin Rivers is questionable. Sendarius Thornwell is questionable. Now, if Rivers is out, I'd expect Thornwell to get a couple of minutes if he plays, but not enough to make an impact. So all of these guys are, are locked and ready to go. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope is suspended, so there are a lot of minutes there at the two in LA. I think there's a lot of value in this game, especially compared to the other two on FanDuel. I like Larry Nance at 4,900. Blakey Griffin at 95. Actually, let's do... I don't know why I went away from what I normally do. Let's go point guards. Pat Bev, 5,400. Strong. I think that you should feel pretty good about him getting to 27 points, especially with Rivers having some issues. Milos at 5,300. Tia Dosic, that's too high. I think if Rivers is out, I'm in on Tia Dosic, but not at that price. If uh, if Rivers is playing well, Tyler Ennis at 3,000. Don't hate that one. I would throw that into a tournament if Lonzo struggles at all. Some yeah, Run some two point guard sets with Contavious out. Tyler Ennis at 3,000, minimum salary. He's worth a sneaky look. At shooting guard, Lou Williams at 4,700. I'm, I'm in on that one again, especially if Rivers is out. But even if not, I'm, I'm all for using him. Well, Jordan Clarkson at 4,700. I don't think he's very good, but I think you do have to pay a, a level of attention to him with Contavious Caldwell-Pope out. At small forward, the Rooster, 68. Yep, let's go on, on Danilo. I'm all for that. I think he's going to put up some big numbers here. Brandon Ingram at 58. Oh, it's too high. The guy has struggled a lot in preseason. It's tournament only. I, I do not feel any level of confidence with him whatsoever. Corey Brewer, Wes Johnson, and Sam Decker, all other options at small forward. Maybe I'd have a look at Wes at 33 as a tournament, but I, I don't feel good about it. At Power Forward, I talked about Larry Nance. I talked about Blake. Two of the better options, I think, at Power Forward on the slate. Nance should start. I don't know how high his upside is, but his value comes from steals and blocks. And on Fangio, we know they're worth an extra point this year, which can really boost him up. Julius Randle's at 6,300. You know me, I'm not going to have confidence in Julius Randle. And future MVP, Kyle Kuzma's at 4,800. I think he'll be fairly highly owned. I think he's got a chance to exceed that. It's not a terrible, um, it's not a terrible value, but but there is a level of risk. I can't believe I forgot to talk about Lonzo Ball, everyone's uh, everyone's favorite. 6,800 for Lonzo. It's pretty high. I would rather take a more sure thing like a um, you know, Pat Bev or a Kyle Lowry than spend 6,800 on Lonzo in his first game. At center, Brooke Lopez, 74. Yes, yes, I'm in on that. Uh, again, DeAndre Jordan's a tough matchup, but Lopez is the best player on this team by a considerable margin. As for DeAndre, 8,200, I'm in on that as well. Two really rock-solid centers. And in cash, I think if you're going in another direction at center, um, you're probably going the wrong way about it. If it's a Zubats, Willie Reed, Andy Bogut, ah, that's, a, that's a no from me. Let's take a look now at everyone uh, for the Aussies. And Moneyball just has value everywhere. Jaron Grant, Justin Holiday, Lowry Markin, and are all 3,500. Just load the shit out of the Bulls. Paulie Zipser at 35. DeLon Wright at 3,000. This value is through the roof. 4,000 for Denzel Valentine and Norm Powell at 36. Even Lonzo comes in at 5,000. If the scores aren't 450 on Moneyball tomorrow, I will be stunned. I like Blakey Griffin a lot to actually spend some cash. 5,300 for Steve Adams is fantastic. You've got Kuzma at 4,000. You've got Russ at 10,5. You've got Brooke at 7,1. There is value just scattered all over this slate. The Roosters at 67. DeAndre is at 8,000. These are guys who I am really strong on. On Moneyball, 
On draft stars, there is a lot of value there. Ramon Sessions is almost minimum, so I really do like getting at him. Jaron Grant, Holiday, Markinen, Zipser, Valentine, a ton of value in all the bulls. Jordy Clarkson is just unbelievably cheap at 7650. I don't like Clarkson, but I'd be putting him in pretty much every lineup. Same with uh, Steve Adams and DeAndre Jordan are strong. Well, Russell at 10,300, given the cheapness of some of these other guys, like a Sessions or a Grant or a, or a Clarkson, you can fit Russ in. I think that's a decent way to go. I also like Blake and Larry Nance. Very similar players to, I guess, the American sites, while Kyle Lowry um, and CJ Miles at 7,000 is also a strong option with DeMar DeRozan sneaking in there at 15,000. All right, that um, does it for today's show. There was tons of stuff in here. Again, just... uh... If I didn't get 500 Twitter notifications and messages today, I would be stunned. They're all over the place. So I apologize if I can't get them get back to you. I'm uh, working, writing, preparing this show, doing stuff on Basel Monster, so I can't get to everyone. But I do think I cover most of those sort of questions in this show. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. And check out LockedOnFantasyBasketball.com where all the podcasts will be housed. And of course, at Basketball Monster. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Chandler Parsons.